We're in Romans chapter 15. We're down to verse 20, but in a little repetition, Paul restates often his apostolic call to the Gentiles. He was the one mainly given this calling, that God gave him the power to speak and the power to confirm the gospel with signs and wonders and miracles. But back up on the 5, it said he fully preached the gospel. There's so many false gospels and half gospels and quarter. Preaching three scriptures of how to get saved is not the gospel. The gospel is not just getting people saved. That's a false concept. Getting people saved is just entering the race. Unless you continue in the race and finish the race, you're not saved. And so that's why the heretics don't like to talk about that. That's why they get so many people saved, saved to a false gospel. And even if they are saved, very few of them will go last unless they labor in the word and prayer themselves. And that's harder for novices and baby Christians to do. So there's an advantage with the gifts of ministries and those who are discipled and mature to train other people. Rarely are people going to make it on their own. They don't put forth the effort, and they don't get no more. So everyone has been given grace. Even if not heard the gospel, they have the grace of their conscience. God's given the inner law. They have the grace of nature teaching them that's his almighty God. And only when they fight against it and the demons start to deceive them do they believe the lies. People are not born atheists. They become atheists because they keep rejecting the truth because they like their own opinions and their demonic powers deceive them as God intends them to do. If they do not adhere to the truth, God will give people over the lying spirits. They insult the spirit of grace. There's a consequence. His patience and steadfastness does have an end. That's why most adult mankind is going to end up in the lake of fire. And yet God has said it's not his will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So the fault lies with a man's will. He has the ability to yield or not yield. Verse 20. And thus I inspired to preach the gospel, not what Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another foundation. He's talking about the beginning of the gospel. He had preached much to the Roman world and gone to different places where no other apostle had gone. And he was mainly going to the Gentiles. But in the Roman Empire, 8% or more of the 70 million people were Jews. And so there were synagogues in all the large cities. And he'd go two or three weeks in the large synagogues and get a few converts, but most of them were rejecting. And then these converts would join the Gentile converts and it would give them more information because the Gentiles were not taught the law by Paul. Theirs were given a clearer message of the new covenant but the old they could build on and understand so the converted Jews could enlighten them that way. So you see God's wisdom in this, given these extra graces to people. So he preached. He didn't compete with other apostles. Most of them didn't. 
and he was talking about most of them stayed in Jerusalem, but Peter and some of them went out and made errands and excursions and over the years, but most of them hovered in Jerusalem for the Jewish people and for the sake of Jerusalem, and God was still having them under probation for 40 years until he destroyed the system, so he gave them extra grace, and they kept resisting him even after killing the Lord of glory and some of the apostles. So this is uh, what he's talking about. He was called to lay the foundation. He didn't compete with anyone else. Now, later on, as they reach much of the Roman Empire and over decades, they'd go back and start checking. And even when they established churches, the apostles did not leave the people. They didn't go in like they do today and get them saved and leave them. Well, it don't matter they're saved. They're not saved, and it won't stay saved. Paul stayed in some places a couple of years and laid foundations, matured people enough he could appoint elders and pastors. Then he'd go on. He never left novices and babies by themselves. That is not evangelism. Okay, But then eventually, as the word began to spread, the apostles would go and check on these people. And he's believing even Ephesus, the last one, was John. That's why he was, when he was in his 90s, was the last one. But Mark had been there. Titus had been there. Timothy, they had acted as an apostle in those areas. So they did intermingle later on. But in the beginning, Paul did not compete with the other Jews. He only went to areas that the other apostles would not go because they were Gentiles and they didn't fully understand the calling at that time. Later on, they did. But he was specially gifted and graced more than the others by the revelation he had and the mysteries he revealed that the Jews had a hard time with. Even the first few years, the Jewish Christians and even the apostles, they found it unbelievable that the Gentiles were going to be a part of the holy nation of Israel. They thought that they were still special, and God enlightened them later and what his overall call was. And of course, the Spirit brought it out of the old and let them see it. But he kept some of these things hidden from them, as he did when the angel spoke to Daniel and was shown things at the end time. And Daniel started to inquire more, and the angel said, go your way. He meant this is none of your business. He said it's for the appointed time. Only the people during the last days will start to figure out certain things. It wasn't for Daniel to reveal, so he wasn't answered on that. So God has his own plans, and he shares what he wants to share, and he refrains from other things. Okay, so we see then he went to preach there and lay a foundation for the church. First. Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds. So he basically laid true Christianity, appointed elders and leaders, and as they would get off on certain areas or heretics would come in. He'd check on them. He'd send people back to make sure they weren't being led astray. Many of them were deceived later, 
and the scripture said that heresies must be. God wants people tested, and if they don't adhere to the truth and get grounded, then they fall away. See, Jesus said that they receive the word of joy, but when trial and tribulation comes, they fall away for they have no root in them. See, they don't prepare themselves. They do not see the truth and move at it, so they cannot spot false teachings and false things are brought in. So actually, they reap by not taking God's word seriously and abiding in his word. So he states that he went mainly to Gentile areas where the gospel had not been laid. He, as an apostle, was to lay foundations. He was a pioneer, not going over what others had already laid. Okay, But again, he's talking about apostolic ministries too. He did appoint elders and teachers and pastors as they matured, and he could go on then and feel safe leaving the disciples as they were maturing. So when those matured in a couple of years or less, as I've always said today, there are no immature Christians and disciples that have been baby Christians for 10 or 20 years. They're false Christians, or they got the wrong gospel. And even if they did, in 10 years, if they were serious with the Lord, the Lord would open Scripture to them. So if they're ignorant, they're not serious, and they're not seeking the Lord, and they're not going to get deep things. So that's why we have 2 billion people who say, Lord, Lord, and very few of them are born again, and very few of them have lasted with the Lord in these last days, okay? So that's why we see what the ministry was and how they lay the foundations. He did not give them up and say, well, at least they're saved, and it don't matter if they die, they'll go to heaven. The person who does that in evangelists is going to the lake of fire for not taking care of the sheep as he was called to do. Then he's a false shepherd or he's a hireling. But he's looking for brownie points. He don't get nothing. And when they glory on telling people how they got this saved and that saved, Paul makes it plain. One plants and one waters, but God gives the increase. Ultimately, he's the one who saves them. People don't save people. They present the gospel. They inspired, and the person has to respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit, who is the one who regenerates them and saves them, okay? 21, and he's quoting a script, Isaiah, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. He's speaking of the Gentiles, that they would preach to the pagans and those who were unreached with the Old Testament gospel, and now it would come into the new the Jews, to a degree, were supposed to be a light to the nations, but they didn't. They became arrogant, and they despised them and called them dogs, and they were supposed to represent the Lord, and he was not pleased with them. Eventually, they found out when he altered and broke and abolished the old covenant, which he never intended to go on anyway. Okay, verse 22 and 23 for this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. He's speaking 
that he wanted to come to Rome. Rome had several gatherings and churches all mixed up. Some people say, oh, Peter started. Some people don't believe Peter ever went to Rome until his execution. So he didn't lay the foundation. There are several views, but it doesn't appear that there was no one main apostle evangelist when they were being persecuted and driven from Jerusalem. Some went to different parts of the Roman Empire, and some went to Rome. And it was probably these Christians that settled there began to propagate the Christian gospel to these people. And so he wants to come and basically make sure everything's okay and give them his opinion, which is valued as an apostle. And as we've just read all of Romans, he's going to settle disputes between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians and tell each one where their place is and they're not no special than the other. And he, he's going to explain these things. Him being grounded in Judaism, him being a Pharisee of Pharisees, he knew very well how to deal. And of course, he was the foundation layer for the Gentile nations. Okay, So he said, I wanted to come, but he's too busy proclaiming the gospel in various areas that he had not gone. He said, but now with no further place for me in these regions. So Christianity had spread enough that there were enough witnesses and mature Christians in the area that he felt he could go somewhere else. And he said, I have had for many years a longing to come to you. And see, he understood that. And the other apostles did this at times too. Like we say, there's no proof that Peter ever went to Rome until his execution came up. Him and Paul were martyred the same year. They were apostles, but uh, the Bible names or calls about 23 people apostles. So it didn't mean just the 12. James, the half-brother, he was called an apostle by Paul, and he wasn't even saved until Pentecost. And of course, Paul was maybe six, seven years later when the Lord called him. Barnabas is called an apostle. but several people, Apollos, but they laid foundations and they were gifted. They were New Testament prophets. All true apostles are New Testament prophets and evangelists, okay? So they would go around and, and begin the teaching and go back and forth and check and make sure they're sticking with the truth and building on the foundation. That was Paul was saying. We've laid the foundation, and anybody builds on it must build properly. And it's the apostle's job to check that out and make sure that this is being done and correct what's not being done. So like we say, several areas had several apostles come and visit. So by that time, it was spread enough that it was common knowledge about this Jewish sect. So the Jews were familiar with this strange sect. They had been getting reports from Jerusalem and Judea on these things. Verse 24. So he said, whenever I go to Spain, I hope to see you in passing to be helped on my way there by you and enjoy your company for a while. So he said, when I go, there's no record that Paul ever did that. He planned to go back to Jerusalem and make reports and bring 
Gentile offerings to the poor Jewish Christians because they were having problems during this time, famine and stuff. So that was his plan. But as we see sometimes, man's plans are not the Lord's. He alters them. So he planned certain things and God overruled him. Remember, he had planned to go to Asia and he was forbidden by the Spirit. So they used their common sense, go into the world and preach the gospel. But the Spirit often directed where they would go at, at various times. So we're seeing that this was the way he wanted to go and fellowship, but he did not get to Spain, and there's no record or writings of him being in Spain by any of the early, what they call the church fathers or the church followers. The only church fathers are the original apostles and disciples. Two and three hundred years ago, you can't call them that. Why can't you call them that? Because they did not write scripture and they did not lay the foundation, and everything they did had to be based on apostolic teaching and Christ's teaching, or there were false shepherds and false apostles. He wasn't calling any popes. He wasn't calling any special people, adding anything to what's already been laid. He did not do that. So if you want to be technical, the Apostle John was the last church father. He died in the late 90s in prison. He also wrote the last writing that's considered scripture. And even in the seven churches that the Lord speaks directly to, he said, some of you people there have been called apostles, but you've been found to be liars. See, they tried to come in and sow discord and take over after John had left. They sort of feared him. The apostles did not mince words with them, and they had the power to discipline and to expose a falseness in the area. But everything else after that, after the book of Revelation, there is no scripture. There are no foundation apostles. There were only 12, what we call the foundation, but the first generation, God still used Paul, write half the scripture in the new covenant. He used the half-brother of Jesus. He was basically considered the bishop of Jerusalem. Even Peter regarded him. And some people consider James the head of the local church in Jerusalem rather than Peter. He was an administrator. He checked out on everything. But these people, they were in the beginning, like the 70 disciples they were with Jesus two and three years. So they were apostolic and understood the foundations. And so nobody else was going to come along and add or take from it. That's heresy and false doctrine. And we have many denominations that have done this to their own and still are, have done this to their own destruction. Okay. So he was going to Jerusalem, he says, to serve the saint. He had several reasons for this. Verse 26, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to contribute to the poor among the saints. He's talking about the poor Christians. He's not talking about the poor Jews. Of course, they do good to all men, but their emphasis. Remember, if the Jews were having a hard time, how much more would the Christians, because they were despised and they were not liked. And the Jewish leaders and stuff uh, didn't care much what happened to them. And so this was what being said. And you had the foundation apostles as a whole still residing in Judea. Okay. 
So he was going to deliver a large sum of money from the Gentile churches to the poor saints. The Jewish Christians still were having a hard time accepting the Gentiles. They felt like the Judaizers, some of them were still mixed until they were instructed properly. They felt that a Gentile should get circumcised and obey certain parts of the law. And Paul basically said it's not going to happen, and that's why he talked to the Jerusalem church and the apostles. They agreed that this is not for the Gentiles. They do not have to be circumcised. They're not going to lose their liberty in Christ by coming under the bondage, which Peter said our fathers could never bear. So he agreed with it. They were used to these things, and they stayed in them for a while, uh, as a witness to the Jews that they lived around. Remember, there weren't that many Christians. There may have been several thousand, but not out of a million people. And so they still wanted to live right. They went to the temple, they made offering, but they did not accept that as any means of saving or costing their salvation. They relied on Jesus Christ. So like Peter and James said, don't put this on the Gentiles. So we have the liberty not to be brought under all of this. Well, they were having a hard time, some of them, accepting this and getting along with this. This was a new doctrine for them. They thought the Lord was going to return like the Jews and destroy Rome and and set up the Jewish people to be the special people of the world. See, they were still thinking way back, but they didn't fulfill their deal with the Lord. They didn't fulfill their side of the covenant. And God had intended all along to bring the Gentiles in. The Jews didn't like that. Well, we can see where it got them. It didn't matter much to God what they liked or disliked. Okay. And yes, he says in 27, they were pleased to do so. He said, for they are indebted to them. Who? The Gentile Christians to the Jewish Christians, not the Jews. The ones who came over, the elect the ones who received Christ and stayed with him and that laid the foundations and the gospel of salvation was given to them first, okay? And Paul's a perfect example. He's the foundation layer for the Gentiles and he was a Jew, okay, a Jewish Christian. So he's saying, for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, then they are indebted to minister them of their material things. These Gentile areas, some of them were prosperous. And when they heard about how they barely had food and some of them didn't, they wanted to help them. They recognized them as their Christian brother. That probably surprised many of the Christian Jews. They just didn't understand this. But they were going to be enlightened even by James and Peter. Okay? So while the gospel was first mainly given to the Jew, and a Christian, they are the root, and the root was holy, and they stayed with it. He didn't forsake all of them. He said a remnant would be saved. Those are the ones that came to the Lord and stayed with him, of Jews, okay? And what happens if the root is holy, then they came, and then the apostle taught them how the Gentiles were being grafted into the root and being a partaker of it, one with them. But he recognized the Jews were the root of this salvation. God had not given up everything with the Jews. He rejected most of them in their system. But he made promises 
to Abraham and Isaac and prophets, and he's going to fulfill these promises, even if there's only a few Jews left. We're going to alter his plan, okay? But most of them missed it. The scripture said, Jesus said, they will come from the east and the west and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God with Abraham. But he said, the children of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. Children of the kingdom were the Jews. And over the generations, most of them did not adhere. And so they were rejected by God. And obviously, from what Jesus said, most of them were not going to make it to heaven. They're going to make it to hell. He said, they'll be cast into outer darkness. He mentions no words about this. He has no favoritism that way. Actually, they were held more accountable for the light that they had been given, the truth that they had been given. And so what we see then, today we see, and it's false, there is no fellowship of Christians and Jews unless you go to fellowship with Jews that have accepted Christ. If they've not accepted Christ, they're lost. They're enemies of the gospel. But the elect are gods. That means the Jews that elect to stay with Christ and come to him. But there is no fellowship with light and darkness. So I don't care how nice a person is or whatever religion, we cannot have fellowship if they reject Christ. Even John said that to come bring in any other gospel, he said, you don't want to welcome into your house and you don't wish them Godspeed. That was a, a blessing that a Christian would pray. He says, you're not to do this because they're not in Christ and whatever evil you do, you will share. So he warned them not to do this. They were not to give Christian hospitality to false shepherds and to those bringing a false gospel that rejected Christ, okay? So that's what he was talking about. Okay, verse 28, therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on the fruit that they're giving, the gifts, I will go on by the way, and then I'll go to Spain. But again, we don't think he did this. So he got all the monies and offerings and so forth, and he was bringing this offering, this love gift from the Gentile churches to the poor Christians who were at a point of famine during this time, and for the church. And that was his main plan. And then he wanted to go on. But obviously, it wasn't God's mind to do this. Okay, Shows you they don't know everything. Just because they're apostle and you're walking in the Lord's will, many things are hidden until the last moment. God doesn't tell us everything we need to know ahead of time. That's why we have faith and trust. We walk in the light, and it gives us more light. Uh, many people wait, and, and they won't go until God shows them something. So they don't go nowhere, because God's already told them what to do, but they want more. He's not going to do that. It's his business. He doesn't give us a blueprint to everything we're going to do. We would not have a life, a life of faith and trust. Okay? Verse 29 and I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. He knew what the word know here. Remember John said, if we please him and do those things that please him, we know that he'll answer our prayers. That's faith. See, if you're not knowing his will and obeying him, you cannot have your faith is false. People just have a positive attitude. Oh, I believe this. They have nothing to base it on. They haven't heard from the Lord. 
and they're not following the Lord. So there can be no true faith this way, not Christian faith anyway. So faith in God, will, others' will, and direction is an assurance that we have, okay? The fullness. He would come not only with the material gifts and the money and the greetings from the Gentile church, but he, as an apostle, was a gift. And he was gifted with prophecy and teaching and exhortation. And they were proofs of his calling. So Christ would establish his ministry among them, uh, which he did, okay? The Lord would validate that. He didn't have to go and drum up support. He didn't have to get signatures and so forth, okay? And 30, now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God, okay? I'll read the second one. Well, I'll read both because they're connected. And that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, Judaizers mainly, and though just Jews that have nothing to do with them, that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. That's the Christian believer, and it was. So that I may come to you with joy and by the will of God and find refreshing in your company. Now he ends this here. Now the God of peace be with you all. His basic message is over. His basic sermon or epistle is over. Now he's speaking to the Romans again. He's going to come back in a minute. He's speaking to them. And he said that God's spirit, the spirit of love in Christ, that God will give me this in measure and uh, you'll give it to me. He expected the one accord. He said, and pray that I'll be rescued from these Jews who seek to harm him, which many of them did. And the Judaizers often followed him and stirred up trouble everywhere he went. Some people believe that was the thorn in the flesh, that they stirred up extra persecution everywhere he went, that they didn't do this as a whole to the other apostles. But they did do it to Paul. So it may have been. Uh, one of the reasons that God used this to keep him humble and keep him trusting and that all of this revelation he was getting wouldn't go to his head, make him proud. He was given diversion. And sometimes, and he wouldn't, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. I'm not going to remove it. So even though it was the enemy, God sets the bounds like he did with Job of what he could do and what he couldn't do as long as you followed the Lord. So he was asking their prayers for this, knowing he would get some trouble. And some of the Jews he was going to, he already knew, Christian Jews, they just had a problem with allowing the Gentiles this kind of freedom without being circumcised or controlled by the church at Jerusalem. Well, again, they would be enlightened further. James and Peter caught it right away. So they recognized his apostleship when he got there, to the Gentiles and his gifting even to preach and teach to the Jews. Even Peter later says some of his things are hard to understand. Well, the Jews found them hard. He said that many stumble to their own damnation as they do all scripture. Peter was saying Paul's writings were scripture. He was validating that what Paul said. And it's interesting when people pit James against Paul 
They're not pitting against each other. We wouldn't know that James, the half-brother, the bishop, in a sense, of Jerusalem, he's only called an apostle outright by Paul. He calls an apostle. So they knew some things that everybody else didn't know sometimes. They had to give them. And so now, as we go to chapter 16, there's about 27 verses And at this time, we're going to pass over the many greetings and salutations from verse 1 to 16 and verse 21 to 24. These are all greetings. You can go to any Christian or good commentary and and find out about these people and how they, Paul knew what they knew about them and and so forth. But for our uh, lesson Uh, We're not going to go into this now. In all, there were 40-some greetings. Eight of them were women. Many of these women started these home churches, let them have churches in their home. They did not act as apostles or evangelists, and they were deaconess. They helped in hospitality and service, and they could share the gospel. It was implied often, though you usually seen them with their husbands, or their fathers, they were not free at this time, and they would never be totally free to usurp and have authority or rulingship over men. Still cannot find that scripturally. They will prophesy, and they will do gifts and things, but they nowhere does it say, and people try to argue, well, now they will prophesy, that means preach, and Paul makes it very plain when he said the women were to keep quiet as far as teaching in the main gatherings. And he said, if anyone's spiritual or thinks he's a prophet, he said, let him acknowledge that these are the commandments of the Lord. So he's not giving his opinion. A lot of people say, well, that was Paul's opinion. Well, Paul gave his opinion about marriage and on marriage and what he thought about it, but he didn't put no bondage on it. But he didn't give his opinion here. This was God's will. Christ, through Paul, said, what's precious in God's eyes in a woman was a meek and quiet spirit. She was not to argue and debate theology or anything. She was to keep in a lower position. She was called the weaker vessel. And not just because of that, it blames a lot of it on Eve because she was deceived. So it appears that when it comes to scriptural things, it's easier for the devil to deceive a woman. Adam knew what he was doing. And it's called the sin of Adam. He's held more accountable for their failure. Okay, So it's not to say women can't teach in a small group or share and things like that. But there are no Christian apostles that are women. There are no prophetess. This word's not used that way. Philip had four daughters that prophesied, never called them prophetess. There's a difference. All Christians can prophesy under inspiration in the gathering at times. Even the women could, because they were glorifying God and they were speaking forth his praises, but it didn't mean they acted. A prophet could excommunicate. A prophet could turn someone over to the devil if they were rebellious and cause him problems. He could rebuke and correct excommunicate. The women were not given that position. Well, I'm not going to go no further on that. If you disagree, like Paul said, if you be ignorant, then be ignorant. Go to the scripture. And if you don't want the truth, you will not find it. Okay. So verse 17, we're going all the way up to, 
in chapter 16. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary, opposed to the teaching which you learned, okay? So he knew that they had several people come in and they had not been an official apostle, so he felt very comfortable. And they were Gentiles as a whole, so he felt very comfortable. He wasn't competing with anybody. And he helped lay the foundation, so he's going to go there and straighten out things. So he said, if you've heard another gospel, you didn't hear from Jerusalem, you didn't hear from me, he said, then turn away from it. He said, turn away from them. Don't have nothing to do with them, okay? Uh, sometimes people don't like that. Well, that's why we have so many false churches. They won't get rid of them and deal with them. So he says, dissensions contrary to true teaching of the word. These were Judaizers too. There were some Jew that were not true Jewish Christians who tried to sow discord among all of these. We'll take a break now.